Start with that one. If you got, are you going to build doing on there while you're doing that? Uh, we just have to check, probably have to turn it, which is the TV is already in there, so we'll be good to go. You good to go on Larry. both of them at the same time? You can keep them on YouTube while you're doing it. We absolutely can. Okay. Uh, Larry would just have to move yeah. to the couch. And yeah, maybe so. We have to play on here. Uh, do you know how to turn the uh, YouTube on from the TV? Give me those two things there. There you go. Excuse me, guys. Uh, it's a short video idea that we're going to talk on tonight that I want to uh, bring up. Um, I want to talk tonight on imputed righteousness and imputed sin. Um, imputed? Imputed. You familiar with that term? Okay, we're going to go through that in the scriptures because this is something that a lot of people uh, speak on that's very misunderstood and I want to clarify it and show you. I think it's a really a beautiful thing when it's in the right way, but and we want to talk about that. Um, so here we go. Ben's probably better at this than I am. Right there. Is that what you want? Yes. Okay. Turn on that. Where did you go to have Roku? I missed you. I went to YouTube. Oh, YouTube and Roku? Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Go to search. We're going to where? Search at the top. Left hand. Go Okay. Which okay, y'all ready? Yes. I'm turn it up so they can hear. 
the grace, the mercy of Christ is transferred into our lives, and all of our junk, our guilt, our sin, chicanery is transferred onto the shoulders of Christ. So, I get to God through Christ. So now, God can look at me. Because when he sees me, he does not see Ed Young, sorry sinner. Ed Young, liar. You know what he sees? He says, man, that's my boy. Because my boy Ed has appropriated what my boy did for him. So when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Transfer, to transfer Christ's righteousness for your sin and your sin to Christ dying on the cross. Imputed doesn't mean to transfer or exchange. Imputed means to count, to count um, his righteousness for your faith. Uh, let me explain it to you this way. Um, in the Old Testament, when someone sinned, uh, they'd offer up bulls and he goats for the sacrifice for their sins. And the Bible says in Hebrews 10 that the, the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. And a lot of people ask me, well, what's the difference in the Old Testament and you? Most of you could get forgiveness of sins. But what's the difference in what Christ did? And I'm going to show you what the difference is. is what he counts now for you. He counts when you come to Christ and you truly repent, you truly have a godly sorrow, and you truly come to Christ with all that you have, you didn't stop, sin stops in your life, you have a full repentance. Then what happens is Christ forgives your sins, just like the Old Testament. The difference is, is he takes them away. Uh, remember when John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. So he takes your sins away. Now what does that mean? Remember when Jesus died on the cross, uh, the curtain and the Holy of Holies was torn half. Uh, that signified that uh, what had happened was that Christ made a way for us to have an approach unto the Father. In the Old Testament, you could never have that, that approach. You could never approach it, offered up these, these sacrifices of a high priest that went into the holy place and so forth, but the approach wasn't there. Now the Bible uh, explains us in Hebrews 4 that has come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. So what, what has happened now through what Christ did is, is your sins got completely removed of your past sins to where it was as though you had never sinned, which made you in right standing with the Father. So he made an access for us to go directly to the Father now, whereas they didn't have that in the Old Testament because even though their sins were forgiven, they were still there. And they had a remembrance of those sins. And they made offering for those sins year by year. But Christ, once and for all, as a high priest and as a lamb that was spotless without blame, became that sacrifice to enable us to be totally forgiving and cleansed, as he talks about in 1 John 1, 9. Wash those sins away where there's no more remembrance of sins. So it's as though you never sinned. Because you cannot access the Father if there's sin. The Bible is clear on that. It says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. In, the, in Psalm 66, 18. Uh, also in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, throughout the scriptures, it talks about that when you sin, 
You separate yourself from God. That's what he says. That he will not hear you. So this makes access for you to be able to go to the Father. What a glorious thing. And where your sins are completely gone. That's why when Christ died, he first went down to lead those that were in captivity captive so that he released them so that they could approach the Father and come up again and ascend with him and approach the Father because their sin was no longer there. It was completely taken away through Christ. Now, this is the important thing. The important difference is that what the false church is preaching today is they telling you that you have a cloak of righteousness that you receive from Christ and that your future sins are all gone as well. And that's just not true. The Bible says in, in Romans 3.25 that you're forgiven for your past sins. So if you go back into sin, it's like Ezekiel says in, in the book of Ezekiel chapter, uh, chapter 3 and chapter 33, if, if the righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits sin, all his righteousness that he had done shall not be remembered. In other words, all his sin comes right back on him. He has no approach to the Father because he's in sin. The Father does not hear his prayer. The only prayer the Father will hear, and Jesus will hear, would be a prayer of asking God to forgive them and repenting, turning from their sin. So the glorious thing about imputed righteousness where you're counted righteous because of what Christ did, because your sins are washed, and it's, though, it's as though you never sinned before. What a glorious thing to think about. I've been in my life excited to do that. So then you have an approach to the Father. Then you can come directly to the Father through Jesus Christ and what he did through his sacrifice. So I hope you understand it. I want, I want to make that clear for you. And let us again hear your comments below. Thank you. And God bless you. Have a great day. Okay, guys. Everybody get that? Okay, I'm going I'm to talk about that a little bit. What we explained there, it's like in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, it says that um, Paul, Peter is talking in Acts 2. It was the day of Pentecost. And he quotes uh, from, uh, actually from, from Psalms, from when David spoke. And he's talking about when uh, Christ, uh, when David talked about, he will not leave my soul in hell. Uh, let me go to Acts chapter 2 and verse, <clears throat> verse 25. For David speaking concerning him, I foresaw the law always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh, in, flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou will not leave my soul in hell, which is the word actually Hades, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Remember the Holy One was Jesus. Jesus went down first. Remember when he died, he said he would spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the well of the belly. But he said, but his flesh would not see corruption. So we know that Christ resurrected after three days, he didn't corrupt like, he didn't um, turn to dust like other people, right? He, he was raised from the dead. And so David, David also talks about this. Uh, turn to chapter 32 of the book of Psalms. Psalms. Psalms 32. When, when you died in the Old Testament... Um, 
you, you did not ascend. You went, uh, your body went to the grave, to the tomb, to dust. What number was that? 32. 32. Psalms 32, verse 1. Um, but your soul went in that time to what's called Hades or Sheol. Now, and I'm going to explain this more as we get into Scripture, but there was actually um, two places in, in Hades. It was separated. There was a place for those that died that were righteous, and there was a place for those that died that were sinful. Uh, do you remember the story about Lazarus and the rich man? Anybody remember the story? Okay, you don't? Okay, then I'm going to go there first before I go to Psalms 32. But put your finger in Psalms 32 and go with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen. Is everybody there? 16, 19? Yes. And fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed, verse 21, with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, the rich man, he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and Lazarus received evil things, but now he's, he's comforted, and thou art tormented. So we have a place, one place that's where you receive comfort, but you have another place that you receive torment. Okay, so when you died, you were either going to go to the place that you were comforted, or you were going to go to the place where you were receiving torment. This is in the Old Testament, before Christ resurrected. This is where you go. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, like there's a separation between these two places, so that they which would pass from hence and to you cannot. You couldn't go from one to the other. Neither can they pass to us that would come from, you, from where you're at. And he said, did Father pray? And the story goes on, and he says, you know, send Lazarus. He was trying to get him to send Lazarus to dip his his tongue with a little water and give him some relief. Then he says, we'll go tell my brother as the story goes on. But the point that I want to make with this story is it's a true story. It represents what was the Old Testament. So the person that died then went down. Okay? You understand that? Everybody? Everybody. Everybody. Everybody that died went to one or two places in Hades, either the place of torment or the place of comfort, where you comforted. The body went to the grave, went to dust. But then you remember when Christ died, what did he say he was going to do? He said he was going to go down first, right? Okay, and I'm going to just tell you this. I can give you the scriptures with it, like in Ephesians 4, verse uh, 6, 7, it talks about what is that he, but, but he descended first into the lower parts of the earth. 
and led captivity captive and ascended up into the heavens. And he said, actually, 1 Peter chapter 3 said he went down and he preached to those that were in Hades, you know, and brought them forth out of there. And where did they go? Remember, John said in, in Revelation chapter 21 that John said, I saw the new Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. He was in space. You know, he was above. And he said it was the, the new Jerusalem was, was descending, which was 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. And he saw this because then, you see, when Christ went down, he brought those that were in captivity, they went captive to that place, and he brought them captive and brought them up into the new Jerusalem. So when you die in the New Testament, the Bible says, if you then be risen with Christ, you're going to seek those things which are above in Colossians 3. When you die now to be absent from the body, 2 Corinthians 5. I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, I know, I got your finger way over there. Just let that finger go. We'll go back to that. 2 Corinthians 5, it says here, In verse 6, it says, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 7. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted and for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and the things that we've done in the body. So he's talking about being absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So now when you die, you don't go to Hades. Your spirit goes to be with the Lord. Your body goes to the grave the same as it did before until the very end when you receive a new body. See that interesting? It's kind of cool, yeah, huh? I got a question. Okay. Okay. When it talked about when, when, when Jesus comes back and all the people will be raised from the, from the grave, what does that mean? Okay. Oh, there's, there's going to be a resurrection, okay? Um, let, me, let me stay on the subject. I'm going to come back and answer your question, okay? This is the... What, what, what we heard there, what I spoke about, and you heard the other guy, Ed Young, talking about, he talked about an imputation of righteousness, of saying that what you do when you come to Christ, you receive Christ, you receive his righteousness in exchange for your sin. He received your sin, and you receive his righteousness. That's a false teaching. Okay? Christ became a sin offering for us to offer himself up as sin. Hey, could you repeat what you just said again? Say what I just said again? Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. The teaching that is so prevalent out there is that when you come to Christ, yeah. uh, and this is the reason I say that, because most people understand that there's no sin in heaven, okay? Revelation 21, 27, it says nothing defiled can enter heaven. No sin. So they understand that, you know, all of them preach it, Billy Graham, all of them preach it. They all understand that you can't get to heaven with sin. Most of them do. Some people think, well, it'll just be covered or some kind of a magical transfer. You'll just become another person and enter heaven. But, but sin can't enter the kingdom. Revelation chapter 22 also says that only those who keep the commandments of God will enter into heaven. So there, there has to be something fixed here, I think, is what they tried to do. So what they did is they said, okay, 
Christ became sin for us. He became a curse for us dying on the cross. Christ didn't become sin. He became a sin offering is the correct translation. He offered himself so that, now what does that do? Before Christ died and resurrected, you, have no, you had no access to the Father. But you notice, if you go to Luke, uh, the book of Luke, chapter 20, Twenty-three. Twenty twenty-three or twenty-three. Luke twenty-three. And verse. There were two verse um thirty-nine. There were two people that hung next to Jesus on the cross, right? One on his right, one on his left. Everybody remember that. Two called them malefactors. They were both guilty of crimes. And they were, they were um, condemned to be killed on the cross alongside of Jesus. You remember the story. Uh, verse 39 says, and, the two mal- the, the, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on Jesus, saying, If you be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other in the answer re- rebuked him, saying, Don't you fear God, seeing that, that thou art in, this, in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, we deserve what we, got, what we got, for we received the due reward of our deeds, but this man had done nothing wrong. And this man said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And look what Jesus said. And Jesus said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Today. Where was paradise? Where was, where was paradise? Where was paradise? Heaven. Where was paradise? Anybody got it? Down. Down. Paradise is not heaven. It's not. No, ma'am. People didn't go to heaven then. They went down. Remember? They went to Hades. Paradise was the place of comfort. Jesus went down when he died, right? Right. He said, today you'll be with me. So where was Jesus for three days? Yeah. So you got it? You got it? So he went down. Okay, so today you will be with me in paradise. Where was Jesus at that day? He went down for three days and three nights, remember? So he said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. The man went down with Jesus into the place of comfort. Okay? That's right. Good. That's exactly right. Abraham's bosom. Remember, that's where Lazarus was that he talked to the rich man that was in the other side of Hades where was torment. Okay? All right, and listen, listen what happens, because I, I love this story. Verse 44 says, and, and it was about the sixth hour. In other words, the days went there from six in the morning to six at night, six at night was, was, was their day. So the day started at six. So the sixth hour would be 12 noon, okay? So when he says it was about the sixth hour, that means it was 12 noon, and there was darkness all over the earth. It's, it's not, everybody knows that 12 noon, it doesn't get dark. But on this particular day, it was dark all over until the ninth hour, which would have been, so from 12 o'clock noon to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it was dark. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the middle. What did that mean? Anybody want to tell me? What did that mean that the veil of the, of the temple was rent in half? Anybody got that? 
So the veil of the temple, what was the veil of the temple? Why was the veil there? It was a separation of the rooms. The veil was the veil that went into the Holy of Holies, which was basically unapproachable by man. Because you couldn't go in that room behind that veil. If you had any sin, you'd be struck dead. So, but Jesus, after he was resurrected, he tore the veil in half. He opened it up. What did that do? See, because of the true imputed righteousness, imputed means counted. It does not mean exchanged. What they'll say is, oh, it means exchanged. No, it does not. The Greek, you look up the Greek word, it means exchange, reckon, to no, count. No, no, not I mean, it means, it means to count, to reckon, you know, so forth. So uh, thank you for that correction. <laughs> I'm getting mixed up there. But, uh, but so it, to be imputed something means to be counted righteous. So when you come to the Lord and you ask the Lord to forgive you, along with that, you have repentance. See, Mark 1 and verse 4, I want to show you something there that's interesting. Um, Mark 1 4 says, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Think about what that says. You cannot have forgiveness of sins without repentance. You see that? He preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now people say, well, I can get my sins forgiven. No, you can't unless you leave. You're going to leave your sin. Yeah, repent and be baptized. Everyone who in the name of Jesus God, you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah, I understand it. But here it's saying, though, you cannot have forgiveness of sins without repentance. So if you just ask God to forgive you, but you're going to know you're going to be doing it the next day, what do you get? You get nothing, right? But if you ask God to forgive you and you say, I've changed my mind, I'm not going to ever do that again. You know, because when you really ask God to forgive you, what do you do? I, I know in my heart, if there was something in the past, I'd say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'll never do that again. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do this, so on and so forth. Because forgiveness has to be with repentance. Yeah. Okay, you can't get one without the other. Okay, so it's very, very important to remember. Um, so the, the scripture says, and as we all know, 2 Corinthians 17, we've been through that many times, that Godly saw release to repentance. Repentance leads to salvation. So you cannot have salvation without repentance. But when a person comes to that place, what happens is, if you're going to use the word impute, which means count, God doesn't count your sin anymore of the past. Of the past. So this is the problem. In, in Hebrews chapter 10, it, it says that, in the Old Testament, what did they offer up? Bulls and he goats, right? For their sin. They would go and they would offer up a lamb as spotless as they could find, which they never could find one spotless. And they'd offer it up and they would kill the lamb. They'd slit his throat. And that was for their sins, their best lamb they had. They'd give it up for their sins. And they would always do this for, for the sacrifice. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. There's no forgiveness of sins. So... Now you ask a, a Jew, they don't believe in Jesus. They don't sacrifice them. They say, well, I pray, we believe our prayers are a sacrifice now. So, but, but without the shedding of blood, there's, there's, no, there's no, no forgiveness of sins.
But this is the problem, Larry. The blood of the bull or the he-goat could never take the sin away. They could get forgiveness, but the sin was still on them. So the sin was still on them, and every year they had to come back and make the same sacrifices for the same sins that they did and more. So they had no approach to the Father. Why? Because remember the Holy of Holies where the curtain was rent? They couldn't go in. Why couldn't they go in? Because of sin, right? And because even though they offered bulls and he goats, it still wasn't a good enough sacrifice to completely take the sin away. It could only give a temporary forgiveness. So somebody asked me, I think it was Ben, one, one week he said, what's the difference, which was a good question, what's the difference in the Old Testament and New Testament? They could be forgiven for sins. We could be forgiven for sins. So what did Christ really do? This is, this is it, guys. What Christ did when he died on that cross, he became the sacrificial lamb. He became the sacrifice, and he gave his own blood, which was an eternal sacrifice that you don't have to go offer over and over again because he, li he, he ever lived. He resurrected. He ever lived to make sacrifice for us, to make intercession for us. So what that did is when Christ did that, it washed away all your past sin. Unlike the bulls and he goats, the sacrifice of Christ cleaned you completely, cleansed you. And it was as though you had never sinned before. Wow. Isn't that good? But you see, you couldn't get that in the Old Testament, Ben. Okay. I think we just discussed this, but okay, so if you, you get cleansed and you're, and you're forgiven for all your sins, sin again. All your sins are right back on you. That's, good, that's, a, that's a good question, I, and I want to get to that point. Remind me, if I, because I want to go a little bit further with this, and I, I want to go there. That, that's a good question. I was, I was actually going there. Okay, so now, what Christ was actually saying, and, and if you go to, um, let's see, we finish there. Um, yeah, I think so. So, so let's go to um, Romans chapter 4. Because I want to, and now you can also hold your place. If you still got that finger in Psalm 32, we'll go there. <laughs> you probably, your finger got tired to left, right? <laughs> okay. Psalm 32 and, and uh, Romans 4. Romans 4 is where a lot of this is taken from, actually, Romans chapter 4 and chapter 5 this false teaching that's going on today. You'll notice that Jesus never taught uh, anything of being a substitute for us. He taught about dying for us, forgiving us for our sins, taking our sins away, uh, the victory through Christ, all of that. But he never became exchanged. He could never become sin because the Father would have nothing to do with him if he became sin. He became an offering for sin. He became a curse because cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, as it says in Galatians chapter 3. But in Romans 4, the scripture is taken from here that, the, that, that they will falsely preach. And it says in, in chapter, in verse 6, uh, well, let's start at verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. That uses right. It says counted for righteousness. Now, a lot of people will say, well, see, it's not working. 
uh, is just believing. Look at verse 31 of the preceding chapter of chapter 3 of Romans. And that gives you, because there's no chapters in Greek. It all runs together. So let's take, let's take a contextual look at what it's saying. It says, do we then make the, the law, do we then make void the law through faith? What's it say? No. God forbid, which means no. Yes, we establish the law. Do you know what that means to establish the law? Some of you may have we fulfill the law in your Bible. Uh, some of you may have that we do the law and do the commandments in your Bible. That's what it means. Is that we don't do away with it by grace or by faith. We, we, we fulfill the law. Remember Jesus said in Romans 8 and verse um, 3, he said, uh, he talks about that he condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirements of the law may be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us, those who walk in the spirit. If you walk in the flesh, you can't fulfill the righteousness of the law. So we, we walk in that. And again, keep remembering that sin can't enter the kingdom. And Ben, I'm going to get to your, your question in a minute. So it, so it talks about, in the scripture, about the Jews and about people that try to attain that righteousness to be able to make it to heaven, to be able to be pleasing to God, and to be able to do it themselves by, without Christ. And without Christ, they try to find this place, and it's impossible. Yes. Because without Christ, the shedding of blood, without the shedding of blood of Christ, there's no remission for your sins. That's why they can't get their, rid of their sins. The only way to get rid of your past sins is through the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you're doing, if the person's leaving Christ out of the equation and just going about trying to establish their own righteousness, which is what the Jews were doing because they didn't believe in Christ, then they, they can't get it because they can't, they can't ever have access to God. What gives you access to the Father is your repentance, turning from your sin, and then, in, like it says in Hebrews 4, remember it says, uh, uh, Hebrews 4, this is what happens when you, have, when you do this. Hebrews 4. Keep your place in Romans 4. In Psalm 32. <laughs> the scriptures come to me quicker than I can put my fingers out. Okay. Hebrews 4, uh, verse 15. Uh, let's start at verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession of faith. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Thank God he came just like we are, in human flesh, in human feelings, in human weaknesses, just like us. But look what he says in verse 16. Because of what Jesus did, because he became the high priest, because he became the, the, the sacrificial lamb, he says, let us therefore come boldly. You couldn't do that in the Old Testament. You couldn't do this. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Where's the throne of grace? In the Holy of Holies where the curtain was stored. We can come boldly now. Why? For what? To obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. They couldn't do that. 
The Bible says the prophets looked into this and saw our day and rejoiced to see our day in the book of, in, in book of Peter. Because they couldn't enter, they couldn't have that access to the Father. But through this, we have an access to the Father. Now everybody, all these other preachers trying to say, well, the Peter righteousness is, is basically an exchange of Christ exchanging his righteousness for your sin. No, it's not that at all. So they said, then all your future sins are forgiven, past, future, and present, because he's, he's done this exchange for you. That's not the scripture. Jesus didn't preach that. Neither disciples. That's a made-up doctrine by false prophets today is what they're telling you. Okay, back to Romans 4, verse 6. Next verse. You've got to get some more fingers, Larry. <laughs> Romans 6. You've got to get some more fingers. I got, it, I got it right here. Okay, good. All right, Romans 4, 6. Even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Why? Because when a man comes to the Lord, he turns from his sin, he says, no more, that's it. Then all of a sudden God forgives all his past sins and God, all God sees is righteousness. Of his past. He doesn't see the sin anymore. It's as though he hadn't sinned, ever sinned. Look what the next verse says. He confers this by saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. What sins? Past, past sins. Past sin. Okay. Psalms 32. Finally going to get there. Verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgressions, transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. All the back sin. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputes not, not iniquity, wrongdoing, and in whose spirit there is no guile. So that's where Paul is taking this from. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin unto thee and my wrongdoing my iniquity have I not hid I've opened it up to, the, to you Lord I've, I've confessed everything to you that's what every person must do to enter into this I said I will confess my transgression unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin so you see that that's that a blessing past. Yeah, past tense thank you absolutely Ben had a good question his question was, well, what if after this happens, if you go back and go back into sin again? Okay? That's why it says in 2 Peter chapter 2, it speaks about false teachers there in verse 19. 2 Peter 2. The whole chapter, chapter 2, is, is about false prophets, false teachers, um, those are, that are in the, your fellowship and feast among you who are not, they're like clouds without water. In other words, they look like they're Christians, but they're really not. You know, they, they can't stop sinning. they got eyes full of adultery. Every woman they look at, they, they strip her in front of their eyes. It's just, it's just a mess. And he says that this false church, in verse 19, while they promised them liberty, freedom, they themselves are servants of corruption, servants of sin. What did Christ say in John chapter 8? 
He said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, a servant to sin. But in whom the Son sets free, he's free indeed. So, you know, you hear a lot of stuff, and I know, you know, I've listened, I've been there. You hear a lot of songs like, you're free, you're free. Well, free from what? Free from what? You're all saying we're just going to keep sinning, and, and, you know, we're just doing all this stuff, but what are you free from? Free to sing, free to do this. No, what Christ said you to be free from is free from the bondage of sin. And you don't get free from the bondage of sin by thinking, well, it's all covered by the blood of Jesus, all my future sin. No, it's not. Uh, uh, like, like it says in, in uh, Romans uh, 3.25, it says that he's forgiving you for your past sin. Just like in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9, that you, you've forgotten that you've been purged from your past sin. That was sins of the past. Not, never does the Bible say you, you forgive for future sins. You've already be forgiven for something. You know, and, and, and also in Nahum chapter 1 and verse 3, it says that the Lord will not acquit the sinner. He said he will not acquit him. He won't, it, 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 it takes confession. It takes forsaking sin. Remember it said in Proverbs uh, chapter 28 and verse 13, it says, uh, it says there that he who covers his sin shall not prosper. But he that confesses and forsakes his sin shall be shown mercy. So what does it take? It takes two things. Confessing it and forsaking it. <clears throat> if you just ask God to forgive him and you don't, you don't forsake him, you, you, that's, you don't get anywhere. Matter of fact, it says in, in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, it says this. It says, the Lord's hand is not short that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But he says, but your sin has separated you from your God. And your sin has hid his face from you that he will not hear your prayer. So the only prayer the Lord will hear from a sinner is the prayer of repentance. When he goes there and he says, God, that's it. I'm, I'm, I stop. I'm not going to sin anymore. That's it. I quit. I'm not going to do that anymore. Complete repentance then brings salvation, right? Okay, so here we have in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, while they promised him liberty of freedom, they themselves are a service of corruption. They're slaves of sin. For of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought into bondage. So if I'm overcome by one sin, say I'm overcome by pornography, I'm overcome, or I'm overcome by unforgiveness, I'm overcome by envy or strife, if I'm overcome by one sin, I am in bondage to sin. Don't let a kid you think, well, I'm not in bondage to sin. I just got this one sin. No, that's not what it says here. Whatever you overcome by, you're in bondage to. Look what it says here. For if, the, for if they have escaped the sins or pollutions, which that word means sins, of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled or go back into bondage, into that sin therein, and overcome the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Okay, let me ask you a question. Attention. Now that man, Ed Young, up there that you listened to tonight said that all those sins that you do are covered over by Jesus, okay? They don't count. Because all you have is righteousness. When God sees you, he only sees Christ. And he doesn't see any of your sin, right? Then what, what would this verse be here for? And it says, if after you've escaped from it, and you are then entangled in it, it was better for you if, if you'd, the latter is worse for you than the beginning. What do you mean? I'm covered in his righteousness. What difference does it make if I sin? 
Hi, Ed Young. Why is the scripture here? Why is it telling me that? That it's worse for me now that because I went back and sinned and if I'd have never even come to him in the first place to receive that imputed righteousness that he's talking about. See, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit in the scriptures. That's not what imputed righteousness is, is what he's saying. Is what, what he's saying is not yet. So, Ben, what, you, what your question you ask is, if you go back into sin after you come to that, then you have no more approach to the Father again. Why? Because you got sin. And you cannot approach the Father with sin. Sin is not tolerated with the Father. He's a holy God. He's a blameless God. He does not fool with filth. You have to be clean. Remember in the Old Testament, if they saw God, then what would happen to them? They'd be struck dead. Now, all of a sudden, you can come boldly, man. Come on, boldly to the throne of grace. I can come boldly there to, and find grace and mercy in my time of need. Before you'd be struck dead if you did, if you had sin in your life. They used to take the high priest once a year, and they tie a rope around his leg. And he'd go in to try to make sacrifice to him, but they tied the rope in case he had a sin going on in his life. Because he was struck dead. Nobody would go in and get him. They'd want to pull him out of there. Because of that sin. There was no approach then, you see. They wanted to pull him out. They listened for the bells on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, to make sure he's still alive, right? Okay, let's read on. For it had been better, the verse says in verse 21, for them not to have known the way of righteousness. And you guys know the way of righteousness now. You turn away from this. It would have been better for you not to know the way of righteousness than after you've known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Once you get this thing, you walk on in it. You stay with it. You got to stay with it. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Wow. Not a good place, Ben. Isn't there a scripture uh, in Hebrews that says something about kind of if you come to this realization, you go back to sin, there is no more sacrifice for your sin? Yes, yeah, that's Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26. Then that kind of correlates to what we're... Yeah, it does. It's actually, it's right on. Absolutely. Hebrews uh, chapter 10, that Ben is talking about. Uh, Paul, The writer of Hebrews, uh, some believe is Paul. Nobody really knows for sure, I don't think. But nevertheless, in Hebrews, he's writing to them to um, not fall back, to continue, to renew their love with the Lord. Uh, uh, they, in Hebrews chapter 10, he talks to them, he says, man, uh, you know, when you first came to the Lord, you were so fired up, you know, you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. Um, you were reproached by man and took it joyfully. You were a gazing stock. You had all these afflictions. You, you were doing good. Man. You were running really, really good. Uh, so, so he says in verse 23, chapter 10, hold fast your profession of faith without wavering for God is faithful that promised. Uh, provoke one another to, to love. For, don't forsake assembling together with you believers. Uh, go on, on and on. And then he says in verse 26, very important verse. A lot of people like to get around this verse, try to make it mean something else. Uh, but it's in context with the scriptures warning. He said, um, for if we sin willfully, what is willful sin? Let's get that clear first. 
if we sin willfully. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, you In other words, there could be something in your life that Paul, I mean, David in Psalms called it presumptuous sin, where you didn't know it was sin, but then God, as you walk in with the Lord, God says, you know what, I don't want you to do that anymore. Because it's really not written. You ever had that happen? You know, God says, that, let's stop, don't do that anymore. And that would be presumptuous sin. That wouldn't be willful sin. And, but then if you go on and keep doing it, it becomes willful sin, right? Because then you know you're doing what God told you not to do, and it becomes willful sin. But, but willful sin is basically any sin. You're not going to go out and walk and watch pornography and it not be a willful sin. Because you turned to it, you have turned it on, you went there, you thought about it, you did it. You're not going to commit adultery without being willful sin. You planned it out, you talked to that person, you did that, you moved on it, it was willful sin. You're not going to lie without willful sin. You know, because all these different sins, they willful sins. So when you, if you walk in that and you do that, you're in very big danger. You just like it talked about in Second Peter, where you, where you, you know, it'd been better for you not to know than to know it and go that way. But he says here, um, if we sin willfully after we come to the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice for your sin. Think about that. No more sacrifice for your sin. What was the sacrifice for? Remember we just talked about it? The sacrifice was to blot out all your sin, make it as though you never sinned before. It was done by the cross. Jesus gave the sacrifice for it. Now you go back and you willfully sin again. What are you doing to the cross? What are you doing to his sacrifice? You didn't take it very serious. It says you need to be very careful in, to walk in what God has called you to walk in. Because then you, there's a more sacrifice for your sin. And he goes on and explains all that. Matter of fact, in, the, uh, in chapter 6, also of Hebrews, it talks a little bit about the same thing. Uh, it starts off in verse 1 of chapter 6. It says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. In other words, people, some people try to Repent of their repentance. Uh, they repent. They, they sin and repent. Sin and repent. Sin and repent. That's, he says, stop that. That's no good. That's not the way of God. And from dead works and a faith toward God, of doctrines of baptism, laying on the hands, of resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So you need to go on, go forward. For this will we do, if God permit. Look at our next verse, verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened... And have tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance. Seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Very dangerous place to go to go back to the world after you've come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, a lot of people, Larry, have never come to the knowledge of the truth. See, they've listened to somebody like Ed Young, so they think they're supposed to keep sinning. Now, this is what happens in a situation like that. What happens if you think that you can get to heaven in your sin, and you've been told that, and that there's been a divine exchange of your sin for his righteousness, and you go on and you keep, and you ignore that sin. And we know a lot of people are doing that because we know that, and I've repeated it several times, as statistics, all you have to do is Google it and ask, you know, uh, 
of, of professing Christian men, how many of them look at pornography on a regular basis? And it's 75% of all men do. Chris, professing Christian men, and 50% of them are pastors. So we know where this is coming from. The result of that is because they preach that you can sin and still get to heaven. Yeah, what what the scripture calls that is is uh, it calls it in Jude. It said that they're using grace as a license to sin. Mm-hmm. You see, the grace of God, the Bible says in Titus two eleven, yeah. it's appeared to all men, and it teaches us to deny ungodliness, to stop sinning. They say, you know, it's it, it makes you where you can't sin. And the scripture even says, it said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in this grace that that the grace that faith may abound? God forbid. He said, if we get that forbids that kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. He said, how can we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein? To whoever you're going to yield your body as members to, whether of sin unto death or unto Christ unto righteousness, it's, it's that person's choice. And the person wants to fool himself because of the doctrines of the day. The Bible says that we live in the last days. And there's many, there's many seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And that's what you're getting here. It's, it's, it's just so widespread um, I have I have come to where I, I'm, my mind is just blown by what I I see that's so opposite of the scriptures. What what the world is calling the church is a false church. It's it's not the truth, and that's where I, that's what I confront. I confront on YouTube. I confront it with people because this is very very serious. People are dying and going to hell. People are preaching people to hell. Yeah. 